And a very good afternoon to you. Welcome to the very first ever Big Kickoff Rugby podcast, which is going to be a regular feature of the bigkickoff.com. And I'm delighted to say I have not one, not two, but three uh, rugby uh, people who are going to hopefully chew over some fat of the rugby issues that's been going on for the past few weeks or so. Um, First of all, I have Connor O'Shea, the former head coach uh, of the Italian national team and also director of rugby at Harley Quinn's as well. Uh, good afternoon to you, Connor. Hi, Peter. Great to be here. Indeed. Thank you. Nice to have you. Uh, continuing the Harley Quinn's theme, another former director of rugby as well. It's John Kingston. Good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon to you as well. Nice to have the inaugural one to kick off. <laughs> <laughs> set the bar high, King. I set the bar high. Well, yeah, any downhill now, isn't it? <laughs> and just to prove that it's not going to be all Harlequins orinated or Harlequins biased, I thought we've got to throw somebody else into the mix. And why not? We've got an excellent rugby writer who I've known for many years. Um, she is a Saracen supporter as well, but I'm sure we'll talk more about that in detail <laughs> <laughs> at some point. Uh, Debbie Knight, good afternoon to you, Debbie. Good afternoon. Nice to be here. Good. Well, we are got, we've got a lot of rugby to talk about. Um, we're going to start off with the return of the Premiership, which uh, I'm delighted to say has been going for the last uh, few weeks or so. We've had to wait a long time for it. Obviously, we've had to wait even further for actual crowds to uh, actually come in at some form. But, of course, Harley Quinn's managed to get that ball rolling uh, last weekend against Bath. 2,700 fans were allowed in. It was a very successful event, very well organised as well. But uh, return of the Premiership, Connor, let's have your early thoughts so far. Uh, difficult to judge. Um, some really, some great rugby, some, like some exceptional matches throughout, some great young talent putting their hands up, but different teams, and JK will be able to attest to this, different teams have, have different things to play for at the moment. And uh, So you look at Steve Borthwick down in Leicester, and he's ruling the roost over his squad, you know, towards the end of a season to see who's got it, who hasn't. You've got Saracens who, you know, obviously the old Farrell tackle apart, who are aiming for the, the Heineken Cup and they're preparing themselves for life in the championship. But if their focus is get their best team in the park, we'll come back to that, uh, when it really matters for them, but still unbelievably competitive. You've got uh, Lee Blackett doing a great job at Wasps. Will they make the top four? Uh, and then you've got Exeter who are now going, okay, how do we manage our resources to get across the line? So it's just so difficult to judge any game uh, because of the rotation of players due to the game loads, etc. But it's just great to have rugby back. John, your thoughts? Well, in Dorset, it's great to have it back. I think with the end of the season, you do occasionally get a bit of potluck with sides maybe who've secured uh, top four and potentially the home draw. Mm. But I think that's the disappointment is, particularly with relegation sorted as well now, you know, whatever the rights and wrongs are, whether they should be or shouldn't be, it's sorted. So it does create that situation where you're going to get some matches where you'll have sides that effectively are almost giving up on it. I hasten to say none of us probably saw the Saracens Wasp game going the way it was with the way the teams were lined up. So we should live and learn that there's nothing given. But actually, there are elements of that which is frustrating. But equally, there's some tremendous rugby being played. And the level of competition, I know everybody's sounding up about Exeter and rightly, but I think the level of competition now from some of the sides just rippling underneath their sail, Bristol particularly, are playing some cracking rugby. And I don't think it's a given as to who's going to come out on top when we get to the playoffs. So, yeah, it's great to see. And it's great to see some young lads as well stepping up. 
very much ointments so. some you know what i was saying to you about times of mismatches it's great for them to actually have rugby because we we all you know are worried about the amount of rugby that they're getting without them having to be loaned out but they're actually getting a chance to play in the shirts they want to play for very much so you mentioned all those sides of course i know Connor was saying about what in particular bristol um the rise of bristol john it, it's quite phenomenal isn't it when you consider where they were a couple of seasons ago it is um Without wanting to sound like a soothsayer, I actually visited Bristol last year with the stuff I'm doing with my my new vocation. Mm-hmm. I was taken back by the um, level of um, uh, well, the atmosphere and the environment. Um, not superficially in terms of it wasn't as if it was brand new, spanking new toys for everything and everybody. It was actually more the approach, and I, you know, take my hat off to Pat. Um, and I said to people that were close to me that I, last August, I thought Bristol were going to do extremely well. Now I appreciate they have recruited, you know, on top of that, but I think the environment they've got is really outstanding. And I think that's really, you know, paying, paying them back in spades in terms of the way that they're going forward. Debbie, quick question for you. Um, it won't be Saracens uh, orinated. (laughs) Can anyone stop Exeter? Yeah, well, I think, as John said, I think once you've got your top four, I think it can be anybody's. I mean, they've won five out of five, Mm. but actually it's Wasps and Bath that have then won four out of five. Um, So whether they come up on the wing, I don't know. As we know, you can finish fourth and win. Yeah, I think it's anybody's game from those four once they get into those playoffs. They've all all played some very good rugby. I mean, uh, Sale have lost to Exeter and Quinns. Um, Bristol lost to Sale and Exeter, so it just it just goes to show. Yeah, I think anybody can win on the day. And I think Exeter. going back to what Connor was saying, obviously with squad rotation in particular, this is why I think you're getting so many. Well, I won't say upsets, but you're getting so many different sort of scores, aren't you, in various games as well? I think for me, I mean, I, I'm I my first foray into rugby was actually to watch rugby league um, at, at Quinn's London Broncos. Mm. Um, with a closed league and I'm not a fan of that and that is in effect what we've got isn't it this season with Saracens gone it just, it, and I think that's what they're planning for for the future isn't it it concerns me because I think you're going to have too many games that are just for pride um, I can't I think we've got Exeter Sale Bristol Wasps and Bath I don't think anybody else can go for those top four Saints seem to have dropped away unfortunately um, but we've got, I think we've got a little bit of an insight into what we're looking at at the future at this time of year in the season. Connor, would you agree with that or disagree? Uh, well, Deb seems to know the strategy for the future anyway, which is good, <laughs> good to hear. Um, uh, in terms of that top five, yeah, I can't. You know, Kingo and myself used to talk so much about momentum mm. and Northampton who uh, Chris Boyd is just such a, a, a really, really outstanding operator. And he had them absolutely cooking pre-lockdown and they just haven't pitched out of lockdown. And some of that is your first couple of games out of that gives you that momentum to keep on going and you lose it. It's incredible how hard it is to get it back. Uh, Sale, you know, will probably look back and think you know, came out of lockdown, go down to the stoop, lose in a pretty turgid game. Mm. Uh, but they've really bounced back from that. But one other defeat for them after that, and the question marks come to go. So I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with Debs on that. I think there's, you know, any of those four, and just going back to JK's point, you, you look and you go, how people are now going to 
get themselves to that final day. Uh, if you think of the pressure that will start coming on Exeter, uh, you'd bank them as being favourites to beat uh, Northampton, you know, in the quarterfinal. Suddenly they're in a semi-final, going to a final, back-to-back they're playing massive, massive games. And then they'll come up potentially against a fresh team that's battle-hardened in a Wasps or Bristol, uh, you know, a sale. Um, it's a tough ask. Uh, you know, Saracens have found it difficult historically to, they've done a couple of doubles, but they've also, at the start of their their so-called journey, they were they were losing a winning a prem, losing a European, losing a European, winning a prem. It's a difficult thing to back it up. So it's another challenge with Rob Baxter. And, you know, Jingle talks about the what Pat Lamb is doing and Bristol, what Rob's done from God. JK, do you remember that first game that Exeter when they came up and they came to the stoop? <laughs> uh, and you know what he's done since then is nothing short of remarkable. Agree. Well, absolutely agree about the job Rob's doing there. Yeah, definitely. And they're, you look, they're, they're rightful favourites. Um, and this, there are a load of imponderables. You see, the semi-final, normally people talk about home advantage. Well, are the crowds mm. going to be in there for that particular thing? So how massive is it going to be to win at Sandy Park? I'm sure it's still going to be very, very hard to win there. But things can change as well, you know. I, I do think it is five now, but I think last weekend was pivotal because I think nobody saw, respectfully, with the Wasp team. I think everybody thought Saracens are going to win that. And I looked at it, always looking at my old team and thinking, well, if Harlequins beat Bath, Harlequins are going to get themselves within a win of Bath and they're going to be within a win of Wasps. Game on. I think probably last weekend really was the end. And I think Northampton had to win on Friday night, which um, they nearly did, but they didn't. And that's also a great sign of a side, by the way, exit to what they're doing, nicking games. That's belief. That's what does that. So look, looking forward to it. Really am. Very much so. Uh, just quickly move on now. We're going to talk Pro 14 now. I just want to get Connor's uh, view of uh, a wonderful weekend of Pro 14 action. Obviously, it was the semi-finals. Uh, Leinster against Munster. And, of course, uh, Edinburgh against Ulster. I mean, that Edinburgh-Ulster game, you've got to take your hat off to Ulster, haven't you, um, in particular, Connor, for that fight back. They were 12 points then and won it with a final kick. Yeah, and, and also you talk about ex-Bristol man, you know, someone who come over, had a tough time in France, and Madigan comes over to Bristol, is usurped by Callum Sheedy, you know, four or five years ago, I'd say probably... John and myself would have been sitting around the table going, that's the type of guy you need in your squad. Uh, great goal kicker, you know, can play 10, 12, at a stretch 15, um, at a really high percentage goal kicker. And for him to go back to Ulster, having had a difficult time, um, you know, I think he's a quality player and I can't see anyone beating Leinster, uh, like whichever way you cut it. I mean, what, they've won 500, 500 games in a row or something like that at this stage. <laughs> Uh, the depth of their squad, James Ryan is now back fit, uh, which adds another string to the bow there. Um, don't see Ulster beating them, but Dan McFarlane, who's you know really close with John, uh, you know, to go back a long way. And he is, uh, have, having come from the Scottish setup, I was doing a really good job. But they're, they're come from behind victory in Edinburgh, 19-7 down, away from home. I know no crowds. To It's an incredible comeback win. Um, it really is. So, They've got something about them, but they won't stop Leinster. Yeah, I hope Dan's not listening. I actually <laughs> communication with him late on Saturday night, and uh, he sent me a text, which I didn't pick up actually till I'd, I'd then fallen asleep. And he 
the last thing he said was on it because I'd complimented him about the the attitude, the work ethic, all of those things that you know they're so crucial. Mm. Um, and he said, uh, "Well, it won't win you anything, but one thing's for sure: you can't win anything without it." And he's spot on. And he's got them playing for each other and working really hard. They're a personification of him um, because that's how he played his rugby. He played in that great Richmond pack with the likes of Barry Williams and Craig Quinnell and Scott Quinnell, Ben Clark. And he was never afraid to say, my job is to simply let them carry ball because all of us can't carry ball in the pack. So I've got to go and clear rucks. And that was his attitude towards and get, get my tackle count up, get my involvements and let them carry ball because they're better than me. And he had that, thought in his mind and you can be rest assured and I know from first hand anyway from what was going on with him in Connacht as well with Eric I, I, I know he's an outstanding um, he's not potential anymore he's an outstanding coach and uh, I'm so pleased for him and I hope they do themselves justice on on, uh, the, on the final when it comes but I agree I, I, I can't stop I can't see Leinster being beaten JK just someone coming back for for Ulster and Marcel Cotsey as well uh, is so pivotal to the way they and, and he can actually change their whole mentality as a team so they, they, they're not going without hope but just the Leinster team you talk about belief you just they, they just win games where they shouldn't win and they're able to put their best team out when it counts as well so it's uh, they're in a really good great position tell you I would say this Peter I, in the Irish psych I don't think it's even just the Irish psych actually I think it's generally life mm. I'm not so sure Leinster would have wanted to play Ulster and I really admire hugely what Richard's done in Edinburgh as well an amazing job but it's not nothing to do with that I just I think if there's a team that they don't want to particularly be playing it would be Ulster because it's the rivalry is is really really intense and massive and anything that can drag the game I think the atmosphere would have possibly actually even helped Ulster if, if there was a crowd in there in a funny sort of way, even though it obviously is Leinster's home game. But still, I'm struggling to find a reason not to go with Leinster. <laughs> Let's move on to the uh, Champions Cup, because that's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Debbie, let's have your thoughts on the quarterfinals. We've got uh, Exeter and Northampton, uh, Toulouse against Ulster, Clermont against uh, Racine 92, and uh, somebody called Saracens against uh, Leinster. Um, <laughs> let's start off with your thoughts, then, as a Saracens person. Any chance against Leinster? I, I would never say no chance. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting, bearing in mind what's just been said about Leinster and their big game. They probably are a team that can win two trophies in, in a row. Um, I think what happened at the weekend has dented Saracen's chances. Mm. And, I, and I do have to say that's one of the worst performances I've ever seen from Saracen's on Saturday. It was shocking all round. Um, so if they can't find something, they need to find something different to what we saw at the weekend if they're to stand a chance against Leinster. Um, they, uh, whether we'll, they'll go with Alex Good at 10, I don't know, or maybe give Mano his chance. Alex Good played against Glasgow actually a couple of seasons ago, I think in a quarterfinal and was fantastic. I think we have to lean towards Leinster. Uh, they'll have them, but maybe is it going to depend on what happens in their in their match against Ulster? I don't know. Mm, they win it, are they on a high? They lose it, they're more determined. It's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's still going to be a tough task, obviously, for Sarri. Yes, but I suppose if anything, it probably help them that they go in as underdogs, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's probably not something they're overly used to. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone would have 
perhaps expected them to win in Newcastle last year. Mm. And I think they won that quite comprehensively, actually. Um, and, you know, we had players going off injured through that game. And I, sitting there as a fan, I, I, I have a big soft spot for Leinster. You know, I'll, I make a point of watching them when they're playing over here. So I was quite amazed by what happened in that second half um, in Newcastle. But I think the, the pendulum has switched towards Leinster mm. with the card. Yeah, fair point. Um, Claremont and Racine, what's your thoughts on that one? Well, Claremont are the nearly men, aren't they, in the yeah. Champions uh, Cup? And of course, they're, I mean, having been to a match there, their home environment is amazing, actually, because they won't have that, will they? No. Um, I, I would lean towards Claremont. I think Racine can tend to look... I remember watching Quinns once play. I think it was Racine. And Quinns came out as a team. And then a number of individual superstars came out for Racing and Quinns beat them. Um, so I think that possibly goes against Racing at this time. So I'd go with Claremont for that one as well. And Exeter and Northampton. I mean, it's great to have not one, not two, but three <laughs> English really, sides in there. Obviously, Exeter, Northampton, yeah. it, it will guarantee one get into the semi-final, won't it? Yeah, I think it will be Exeter. It's hard to see. As I know, again, Saints have got some wonderful young players that perhaps won't have experienced a game at that level. Um, it's hard. To, I can't see past Exeter for that one at all. And, and I'll leave the last one to Connor. Um, Toulouse and Ulster, Connor. <laughs> uh, I just don't know. I, I'm not as up to speed at how the French top 14 is bedding down. You know, it'll be one week, two weeks into it. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of issues uh, in terms of player testing and, you know, you know, probably availability. Uh, it's just a, a weird Ulster are cussed. Uh, we, we, you know, J John talked about what, um, what Dan has done there. And they've got players who could cause the French teams, what, what, Irish teams have learnt, English teams have learnt, anyone has learnt. You put teams under pressure in France, you stay with them, you stay in the fight. And even the belief of 19-7 away to Edinburgh, it's incredible what that will do to a team. Uh, so you, you go down, you hang in the fight, you get a score, and suddenly the French side is looking over its shoulder. So uh, Toulouse are playing a, the brand of old, you know, like, but, but I think what happened up in in, in Edinburgh it, for the long-term development as well as some of the short-term things for, for Ulster is something uh, I, since I haven't seen him for such a long time um, and he's and we're here together again he just John always put it in the memory bank put it in the memory bank and the more you have that the more you can go up to that top shelf and pick up the yeah I came back from there it's amazing what it does to a team very much so um now, talking to Champions Cup, because next year it's a completely, <laughs> going to be a completely new format. Um, I'm afraid we haven't got three hours to go through all the <laughs> conundrums of how it's all going to work out. Um, John, what's your initial thoughts of next year's Champions Cup and this format in particular? I actually think, I think it's quite good. Um, and I think, look, the, the initial intention has been to try to resolve a problem in terms of trying to get the seasons back in sync. In the end, you've actually got one less weekend, I think it is, mm. um, because they've got to balance it as well with making sure that financially it works. But there's a few things I seriously like about it. And the big one is that you're not playing people in the practice, uh, sorry, in the, um, the pre-rounds from your own um, uh, countries. 
you know, I, I could tell you many instances where it's law of sod that you've got. Uh, we did it with Sale, we did it with Bristol, Bath. You're playing back to back against them in Europe, it, traditionally in December, and you've just played them in a league game mm-hmm. two weeks before. And it just becomes, frankly, stultifying. And Europe is such an exciting concept. It's different. And it takes away a bit of it because the whole principle of it is that you're playing against the best sides in Europe, exactly what it says on the tin. So you want to play against the European teams. So I actually really like that. I like the concept of a quarterfinal um, two legs. I think we could get some fantastic um, conclusions to games there. That's happened traditionally, showing my age, but when you've had these qualifiers to qualify for the Premiership and sides are playing over two legs as well in what is now the Championship. So I think I think it's a I think it's um I think it's a good thing. I really do. Um it's allowing more sides to get involved and you've they've taken up the football concept of sides dropping into the second tier competition as well. Nobody's missing out in totem in terms of playing European rugby. So I think it's you know, I think all things being equal, I think it's hellish complicated, but I actually think it looks quite good. And I haven't spoken to anybody about it particularly, but I think it looks quite good. Mm. I, I would side with you, John. I'm, I'm quite impressed by the, the format after spending probably a whole evening trying to work out how every, <laughs> everything was going to work out, so to speak. But uh, yeah, no, I do, I do go along with that. Debbie, quickly, are you in favour of it? Yeah, I mean, it, my team won't be, won't be featuring, but I, I have to watch European rugby. So I know I, what I'd probably be doing is seeking out Leinster wherever they are when they're over here. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that, will it take the edge out of those back-to-back games? I don't know if... You know, John, you're talking about not playing. There's, there's always something extra, isn't there, in that double, in that second double header match? But I guess whether you're playing the French or the English, yeah. No, I, I, I love European rugby. It'll stop the one-sidedness. You know, the, the, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head. I know you're going to get a shock here, Connor, but I can't tell you off the elephant brain off the head as to how many turns have won their home quarterfinals. It's pretty astronomic. It will take a degree of that away a little bit. So if you've let's, let, let's not get into home quarterfinals, JK. I don't like the memories. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Swiftly moving on, um, Debbie. I'm going to get. I was, you I was talking. I was talking monster. By the way, there you know the, ele- <laughs> the elephant knows the, 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 the elephant. The elephant knows the one I was related to. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Um, yes, yeah, we're moving on, Debbie. I'm going to come to you on this subject. Owen Farrell. Uh, you, you knew we'd get into this eventually. Yeah, um, not to. Red cards. Um, Nailed on. Sorry? Nailed on red cards. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I mean, I spoke to so many people about this, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't had one person yet turn around and say, no, I think he was unlucky. It wasn't really intentional, etc. Um, this could have repercussions for him, couldn't it? Because there's going to be a disciplinary hearing, I'm told, uh, later today, um, yeah. which could result... X amount of games ban. What's your thoughts on that? Not could. It will result in a ban. But what what we have to remember here, luckily someone has written the article before I have today, so I can bring out his facts from Planet Rugby. He's had one red card in 217 games. He's made approximately 3,500 tackles during that time. He's had nine yellow cards. Six of them have been for tackles. Um, I, I actually, for a long time, have felt that he needs to work on his tackling technique. I very often, as an England and a Saracens fan, cringe at some... Um, because he'll miss a tackle often, as much as these high ones. 
I don't think you mentioned the word intentional. Nobody intends to try to take someone's head off on a rugby pitch. It won't have been intentional, but it was a shockingly awful tackle. I think we've got to look at whether it will go in at the medium level, which is six weeks, or the higher level, which is 10 to 52. Um, I think it would be medium. And he gets the same consideration as everybody else, surely, for one red card. So he should get the 50. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the 50% reduction because no one's going to go in there and say, oh, I, I meant it. I'm, I'm not sorry at all. They go in there, dress nicely, say, I'm sorry. They get a 50% reduction. So he does too, surely. What does Connor, everybody else think? Yeah, Connor, you've obviously seen the uh, tackle concern. What's your thoughts on it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a red card, no doubt about that. And he, part of what has driven Saracens and was driven Owen is this hyper competitive, uh, in your face, aggressive. Some of the Deb talks about the tackles he's missed. We used to look at him from a, an analysis point of view, JK, and he'd miss tackles because he'd be the first out of the line. But actually, he was sacrificed to miss the tackles to lull you into a Jack Berger. Uh, head-on sort of thing. So it's kind of, you'd, you'd prefer to take the tackle from Owen than the other bloke. Um, so it, some of it's his competitive nature. Uh, the young kid that he he hit, uh, that he tackled, Charlie Atkinson, is a, is a young player with an enormous future in the game. And, uh, you know, he dusted himself down and got on with things uh, as well he could. But, you know, it's interesting. I think he's had two kind of games in the Premiership as an 18, 19-year-old kid. And um, he's uh, certainly got an interesting introduction. So, uh, no, red card, I'd agree with everything Debs has said uh, in terms of the mitigation or whatever the, the disciplinary term they'll use for us because, uh, you know, it, it it looked and was a horrific tackle. Um, will he learn from it? He will, but he'll... It's that balance, and John will probably allude to it when he is he's saying it, is of not taking away that competitive, aggressive person but learning to control it and you know we've had a few that spring to mind uh, cases over the year that you, you try and rein in but you don't want to take away that that mindset and I don't think you ever will. John? I think the guys have, have nailed it. Um, Debs you talked about the performance of Saracens and this backs up the point that Connor's making. I, I don't know Owen well but I've met him and spoken to him a few times and obviously, you know, seen him play God knows how many games. His greatest strength, and he's got a load, is his competitiveness. He's an extremely competitive man. So you've got to picture the scene. It's 15 all, an hour gone, they're playing against a side that have made 14 changes. He, frankly, is having a stinker by his standards. He's missing penalties where he's trying to take too much off the kick, which is probably another sign. He did it at least twice, yeah. which is probably another sign of him trying to take the, 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 uh, the bull by the horns and taking it on himself. So the next frustration, the kick is put up too centrally and he realises that actually it's a nothing kick. So you've got to go and solve the problem. And the next thing you know, bang. So there's, there is no intent on this at all. Uh, I'm alarmed by some of the, you know, the, the stuff I should know better by now, but some of the stuff about what impact it has on his captains, absolute rubbish. Owen is a great ambassador for the game of rugby. Um, I think the one red he even had was, was retrospective, although if it was a yeah, red, it was a red, yeah. but you know, fair enough. And he knows that, but he showed all of the right things about rugby when he went to see Charlie uh, straight away. He knew he hadn't got it right. Everybody can point to 2018, talk about Andre Osterhausen and, and Rodder, 
same thing it's the same thing it's when you're under that sort of pressure valve and something can happen he will know that more than anybody else he will be absolutely gutted and you know whatever he gets tonight i'm not going to sit here and speculate whatever he gets tonight you know it, what matters to that lad more than anything is he's not going to be able to play for saracens in leinster and that is the most that's the biggest punishment you can provide players is not allowing them to play rugby in big, big matches. That's the big thing for them. And bless him, he knew he'd done wrong and he's not the first person. Um, so, you know, he'll come back bigger and stronger from it. And what's worse, JK, and that is, you know, that their whole season at Saracens, this comeback before the, the they go down to the championship, it's all been around this one game. It's not been, every game has been preparation for the trip to the Aviva. Uh, it'll be eating up inside. It's a really great call, an interesting call for, for Saracens because you've got a young uh, player, Manu Vudapola, who's got loads of ability, manages a game really well. He's a very, very good goal kicker, very tidy and accomplished guy. Is this the way he gets an opportunity to step up? Or, as Deb said, do they go with Alex uh, up into 10? And uh, They're still good enough to go there. Any team that has, you know, Mako and Marrow and, and all these guys as, as a spine of a team, Alex, you know, still got Brad Barrett being competitive, still got Richard Wigglesworth, Sean Maitland. Uh, you can list them off in your head. Billy at eight. Uh, it's not going to go without a belief they could do it, but uh, they'll miss Owen. Listen, I, 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 I look back to what happened in St. James's Park in that game and the reason they beat, they beat Leinster, they throttled them. The performance defensively just before half-time was sensational on their line. That's what won them the game. But they did a job on Johnny. He had no room to move all day. Part of that was to do with what the forwards did. So they have got the ammo. Even Noah and Farrell, they've got the ammo. I still think, however, I think the biggest problem they've got, they were derailed by everything that went on in January, which we're not going to pour over again or whenever it was, December. And... That takes so much away from you. I've been mightily impressed, actually, by some of the performances they've put in when they've had nothing to play for, to go to places and to win matches in the way that they have since the restart. Because I saw their performance at Harlequins the week after it all came out, and it respectfully was lamentable. And it wasn't surprising, because if you take that out of people, that belief and that hunger and that togetherness and desire, and suddenly it's questioned they'll be able to turn in on this game now in Leinster and say they're going to give it everything. I still don't think it'll be enough, but I think it's going to be fascinating to see what they can come out of when they're cornered, what they can come up with. Tell you, JK, the, 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 the performance in St. James's Park was the best performance in St. James's Park for a while, wasn't it? <laughs> now we've got, got Ronnie Fraser, <laughs> one Mike Ashley. <laughs> There's, there's one other key factor missing for Saracens if we look at that St James part and that's Liam Williams mm -hmm. of course if we're looking at moving Alex Goo to 10 you've not got Liam Williams at fullback mm -hmm. and, and that is a, that's a world class player there but he, he's, he'll be greatly missed in that game very good point unfortunately we've run right out of time um, Connor thank you so much for your time John likewise as well Debs thank you for your Interesting really insight interesting. as always. Thanks for everybody uh, taking part. Uh, Bigkickoff.com. We'll have more rugby uh, podcasts throughout the season from myself, Peter Moore. Have a very enjoyable day, won't you?